Across the country, indeed the world, education systems need re-examination and change. Education has proven to be a tough ship to change course. We are happy we can share this conversation with an outstanding influence on elementary school students and their families with our audience. So let me introduce you. Welcome to the Legacy Makers at Work podcast. My name is Phyllis Weiss-Hazaro, and this podcast is for Gen Xers and aspiring leaders in mid-career, seeking to create an intentional work legacy aligned with their personal purpose and vision while in the midst of a busy, complex life. Our listeners desire guidance to identify, create, and implement their intentional legacy at work. They want to grasp opportunities to transform organizational cultures and succeed. They are seeking fulfillment of their purpose and meaningful contributions, impact beyond themselves. I'm here with my co-host, Liz Stern, and our guest, Carrie Ankrum. Thank you for joining us. Our guest, Carrie Ankrum, is head of the math department at an independent private school in New York City. She's been teaching for 22 years as a homeroom teacher and math specialist, educating first graders to eighth graders. In addition to a BS and Master of Education in Curriculum and Instruction from Arizona State University, she has more recently earned a higher education teaching certificate from Harvard. Carrie was awarded a trip to China for her diligence and commitment to studying Mandarin at the Chinese Institute, another significant accomplishment. For the past 10 years, Carrie has been a volunteer at the New York Presbyterian Morgan Stanley Children's Hospital, devoting almost every Saturday and in 2014 was awarded that hospital's Volunteer of the Year and Child Life Volunteer of the Year. Her impressive volunteer accomplishments have focused on children, families, and those suffering with long-term illnesses. Carrie has stated that her desire was to have a positive impact and to give back to a hospital and community who have given her so much, always desiring to be an inspiration. Carrie is a gracious and grateful person. She considers the importance of little things each day, and she shows that in what she says and does. Carrie's greatest joy in life is teaching. She's an amazingly dedicated educator and volunteer focusing on improving and innovating education as far as she can with great support from her school. She's a continual learner and with a very purposeful career journey with positive intentional impact. So we are so happy to welcome you to our podcast, Carrie, and have you share your perspectives. Delighted to have you here. So let's get on with it. So Carrie, my first question for you is what are your core values and how have they guided and informed your journey? How have they helped to define your work legacy? I'll start by just describing what, in my mind, it means to to leave a work legacy. And, and to me, a legacy is, is really about just leaving something greater than myself, something that will forever improve the world in the future. So I truly believe that my purpose in life and, 
And this is somewhat shaped through life experiences and also from my religious beliefs. I believe that our purpose in life is to help others, our greatest purpose. And I truly get joy out of that, out of helping others. It feels so good to give and I get so much more out of giving than receiving. And so it doesn't surprise me that I chose a career that allows me to teach and have an impact on children and future generations and to inspire children and and not just children, but also other teachers and to be a mentor and role model. Another core value of mine is gratitude. I've always been the type of person who always looks on the bright side. And I try to see the good in all situations because I also believe that all things happen according to God's plan. I live my life through faith and feeling that my internal driving force that really drives me is grace and gratitude and wanting to give. Well, certainly can't argue with that. Mm -hmm. That is wonderful and very inspiring, Carrie. Thank you. Thank you, Carrie. That was great. So Carrie, you have spent just about all of your career teaching at one school, aside from I think you did a year in Arizona before you came to New York. What motivated you to remain there so long and with no end in sight? You know, a couple of reasons. First and foremost, this school matched my teaching philosophy. That was one thing I was looking for. When I first decided to work at the school, it's really important to me that I'm working in an environment that allows me to teach in a way that feels the best way to learn. And so by that, I mean, I believe in a constructivist education, and I feel like it's just essential to provide a deliberate blend of both learning experiences and nurturing insightful thinking and deductive reasoning, artistry, craftsmanship, all of this, as well as direct instruction. And I think children learn in different ways. And so I really wanted to work in a school that really believed that it was essential to offer multiple pathways to mastery and to really look at children as a whole. The second thing that really drove me to be at the school and to remain there is how supportive they've been in my career growth through paying for professional development along the way, offering me opportunities for growth and leadership and admin roles. I feel like I've been able to grow and change here. And I'm happy to be at this school. I feel incredibly valued and I've been compensated well for my experience and my expertise. The third thing is they allow me a lot of freedom to make decisions and have choices in how and what I teach. And and they've supported me in doing that with whether it be resources, finances, through our budget, professional development. I've had a lot of freedom far more than what I was able to experience when I taught in public school. And fourth, and this is the most important thing to me that is near and dear to my heart, is the environment of the school in which I work is a true community. And it's rare, especially in New York City private school, to have a community of collaboration. It's not competitive. We really work together to support each other as teachers. Our students have as much to say and are valued and their opinions are sought out as much as the teachers, the parents, most parents are supportive and accepting of diversity. And and I just feel like that's the environment that 
I want to be in. So, and even though I've taught primarily at this school, I know through having spent time at other independent schools over the past 21 years and through colleagues and close friends that I have who work in other schools, that the environment isn't always as collaborative and can often be more competitive. And that's just not my style. So for all of those reasons, I really feel like a valued part of that community. How has the environment been during the pandemic? Have they been supportive, as supportive as you're describing for the, mm-hmm. for the students and the teachers? Yeah, very much. We've offered different ways for our students to be at school, whether it was remote or in person. We worked hard to create small cohorts where all of the students and teachers felt safe. And they've also accommodated me a lot personally. They allowed me to stay home even when most teachers returned in person because of my health and autoimmune and immune suppression. So I was able to work from home for the entire year while they had another teacher in person in the classroom for me supervising. And I think that was such a supportive and collaborative thing to do, especially at a time when everyone started worrying about finances and how to keep schools running. And we were able to, so that meant a lot. I think you're going to have every teacher listening to this drooling and (laughs) wanting to apply to teach there. I know it's really true. Uh, A lot of times when we have tours come through, one thing that strikes them, and I, I say it's really true, our, our students are very happy. They love to be at school. They miss school when we're away. And they send me emails saying they can't wait for school to start again. And, and my family and friends think, you know, they wouldn't believe me unless they saw it with their own eyes. But it really is a happy place. And the kids are so happy there. And it you feel it when you walk in. So it's really wonderful. That's great. What is your vision of your purposeful work legacy? And at what point in your career did it develop? And what is the impact you strive to have on your students, your fellow teachers, and others you interact with? I think in terms of legacy, one thing that I really want to leave my students is the ability to be confident. And specifically right now, I I teach math. So obviously I want my students to be confident and capable mathematicians. And for the teachers that I supervise and mentor, I want them to be confident teachers of mathematics. And that's an area, especially in elementary school, a lot of homeroom teachers don't feel as confident teaching math. When it comes to math, a lot of them don't have as much confidence. So for me, for the adults in my life, I really want to leave them feeling confident in teaching math. But above all, I want to inspire students to really love learning and to be able to persevere and to be kind, helpful people, citizens who believe that they can impact the world and advocate for themselves. And I can't really put a finger on exactly when it developed. I I think I've always had this desire because this is kind of what drove me to the career path that I chose. But I really think it was in the past, maybe first 10 years you have all these dreams and ambitions, but you're trying to just get through each day in survival mode in the beginning, because there's so much to teaching that you don't realize until you're doing it. And there's behavior management and there's lesson planning and there's homework and there's so much more to it than just your time with the students. 
that I think a lot of it was just getting into a rhythm and developing expertise. And the only thing that can build that is time, right? And experience. So I'd say it took a a good 10 years till I got to the point where I really felt like, yeah, I'm I'm a master teacher and I'm, I'm now walking into the classroom looking more at each student as an individual and their needs and who they are as little kids and, you know, young adults, as opposed to this is my lesson and this is what I need to teach today. And I only have this much time to get it done. And, you know, you're, you're just, your focus starts to shift. And then of course there was that pivotal moment in my life where I had started dealing with autoimmune illness for many years and then had a a life-changing health event where I found myself in the hospital and having heart surgery and in the ICU for two months and a long, difficult recovery where at one point, like I was, I was on life support and I was not really sure if I was going to make it. And I know it sounds dramatic, but I know my mom at one point told me that while I was intubated, I couldn't talk, but sometimes they, they had me sedated most of the time, but there were times when I was awake and she said, I have no memory of this, but she said, I wrote, I love my family. Don't forget me. And I really like, I had thought I'm not going to make it. And, you know, I did. (laughs) Luckily it wasn't easy. It was hard and it was really a hard road, but I had so much desire to live life and, and get back to teaching that I fought really hard to get back to a point where I could be back at work and breathe again and 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 literally walk again because I had suffered part of a, a right leg paralysis during all of that. So it was like a, a hard physical battle. But when I got back to teaching, it was more than ever important to me to think about how I would be remembered and what people would think of me after I'm gone. And I, I started to think more about wanting to have that lasting impact on the people and and to give more than I take and to not only teach students content, but to teach them how to be human beings who care and are kind and empathetic. And all of it just became my life mission. It wasn't even something I had to think intentionally about. It just was part of everything I did. But yeah, I think it took a good 10 years until I really was able to get to that point of being intentional about legacy thinking. I think that's really powerful. And your school is really lucky to have you as an educator, not just of the actual content that Mm -hmm. you're responsible for, but for understanding what it means to contribute both to your school and to your students and your broader community. I think that's, that's really powerful. Thank you. You are the most determined person I know. Thank you. Always have. It's it's amazing. Amazing. A lot of our audience are people that work in business and even some who are in the learning and development area. So your Mm -hmm. school is a private institution. So in a sense, it is a business. Mm -hmm. What do you think private sector businesses can learn from the philosophies and cultures of your school and other first to eighth grade schools? We don't hear Mm -hmm. as much about that, you know, maybe 
high schools and you know, colleges and all that. But I would love to hear what you think about that. You have to create an environment and you have to care about your people and you have to treat them like you care. They need to know that their opinions matter and that they are seen as individuals and that they're valued. And that kind of community can't just have it like that. It's a community that needs to be fostered and it's a climate that needs to be nurtured and it takes work. But I think that that that's what is unique, especially about where I work, that feels like that this culture is is where I want to stay and work and thrive and be. And that's the number one thing I hear from friends who work in other institutions that they don't feel like they matter, that they're seen, that they're people, that they're just employees and that it's all about the bottom line. You have to be visible and you have to be treated like you are valued. Right. That's great. So what do you think, Carrie, are the next steps on your legacy journey? And what tip could you provide to help guide people to create a more impactful life? My next steps would be uh, I'm moving more away from classroom teaching temporarily and more into an administrative role. So I'm going to be supervising and mentoring all the math teachers K through eight at our school. So I'm really going to be focusing on how I can enrich the lives and mentor teachers who will then be mentoring and teaching and inspiring the children. And I want them to feel confident to really be able to teach. And I want our students to feel like they can really do math, not just know math, but do math. And by that, I mean apply and use the skills needed in today's world. So those are my work goals as far as like the next steps in my legacy. What tip would you provide to help guide people to create a more impactful life? My guiding points here are to give more than you take, (laughs) to look at every person you work with or that you interact with as a human being and have compassion. And (laughs) that's one thing that I've always been able to do to stay positive and kind is even when there are people that I may not feel are easy for me to work with, I try to look at them as an individual and a human being and think about how I can help, how I can do my best to reach them. For me, that's always the biggest part is to just look around and remember that everyone around you is a human being. And definitely my biggest thing is I always want to give more than I take. That's great. Mm -hmm. Truly is all inspiring, Gary. I know that like Liz and me, you are focused on humanity at work, as you very well just expressed. <laughs> what, say, one, two, three takeaways would you like to leave listeners with? It truly is to me. I want to leave people with just this outlook that I really do believe that looking at life and remembering what you are grateful for every day even if you have to make it a point each night to write a few things down that you're grateful for. And I think a life of gratitude is so much more fulfilling and productive. And it allows you to look at things in a perspective that is going to keep you motivated and positive. And like I said, to look at it from a purpose of what can I give and that giving is better than receiving. So 
that would be my number one takeaway is to start each day or end each day in that way. Right. I love that. I started a couple of years ago, a gratitude habit. And when I get into bed every night, I Mm -hmm. think of, I don't write this down, but I think of three people or things that happened that day Mm -hmm. as my gratitude thing. And I'm really glad that I do it. It really, especially in the world we're living in now, is so important. Yeah, Yeah. that's really lovely. I do believe in gratitude also. Um, So Carrie, how can listeners reach you? Use my email. I can provide that. That's probably the best way to reach me. Phyllis knows how to find me. (laughs) Perfect. Okay, yes, yes, yes. So that would be wonderful. For sure. Thank you, Carrie. And thank you to our listeners. We hope this conversation encourages you to reflect on what's most important to you and the legacy and impact you desire to create for yourself, your work, and the organizations you work for or with. And we hope you will share your thoughts on work legacy with us. We can't wait to get you moving into intentional action and accelerate your legacy at work. We'll be exploring planning and action steps in our forthcoming Legacy Makers at Work Masterminds. We're really excited to help you move forward. Send us questions you'd like us to ask our guests so we can continue a meaningful conversation with you. And please go to our podcast website, LegacyMakersAtWork.com, where you will find more information and show notes. Also, please subscribe to this podcast on Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please write us a review. Thank you. Until next time.